0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Hamster Business Show. My name is Chris Petrana. And today, we are here with Amy McCann of Human Resources ROI. Hi. How's it going? Good.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: Cool. So let's get this started. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, I've been in HR for over 20 years, and I actually was 18 in college, and I wasn't sure what I wanted to be when I grew up, and... Um, most of us are still deciding, you know, exactly what path anyway. But at 18, um, I thought HR sounded interesting. I you know, like people. I thought, how easy is, are The people are easy. How easy would this be? And I kind of fell into HR, and mm-hmm. I'm so glad that I did because it turned out to be just an enjoyable career, and there's such variety, and you can help people, and, you know, you learn. There's just challenges. There's so much to it. So for me, I, I was lucky that I fell into my career early. Because yeah. I also teach, and I fall in, I run into people frequently that, yeah, you know, they're still trying to decide what they want to do when they're in their 40s or 50s. And so I feel fortunate that I picked the right career for me, yeah. you know, a long time ago. And um, I have a background in education. I have an MBA and um, undergrad in psychology and HR and you know, some of the usual backgrounds that you might have in <laughs> HR. Oh, yeah. So, and I started my business last year so uh, on my own and I have a partner that I just brought on too. Okay. So um, yeah, I'm hoping to just um, be able to help companies and um, work around new hampshire southern maine and, and northern mass um, yeah. for as long as i'm able to walk around
0: so yeah so what is human resources it's probably a good place to start
1: well you know it's got a lot of definitions it's a great yeah. point you know a lot of times it's we we think of it really the hr police you know like yeah. you think of like okay we're enforcing policies and when i started at hr years ago that's what i felt like i was was the hr police i was enforcing policies and making sure people do what they're supposed to do and all that and i realized that's not the most helpful approach. That you know, you really want to be more a partner and um, a coach and um, be proactive and preventive. and In the long run, your company will save money, and people will be happy working there. They'll stay. They'll be more engaged in their work. They feel like people care. And so, I really adopted a change in my philosophy. Probably. I don't know, five years into my HR career and I realized, you know, those things that, you know, you really need to be an advocate and more of a positive force of change and supportive and coaching and not the, the HR police. But it encompasses a lot. I mean, it really encompasses, everything you know, from employee relations, um, performance management, talent management, recruiting the right people, identifying the right jobs. Um, creating a brand so that, you know, people can identify who you are and that you attract the right people that have the similar values of your company. Mm -hmm. Um, It goes into training and development and um, workers compensation, of course, benefits. Um, There's compensation management, there's a lot of um, broad categories there, and then there's also safety management, which Runs parallel with HR, and I have a background in safety management as well. I'm a certified safety manager. So um, for me, keeping the safety and HR piece going parallel is important. I see the value of that. So um, I help clients on the safety side as well as the
0: HR side. Okay. So there's a whole lot in that one. (laughs) Um, So a lot of it paperwork (laughs) let's just start with there's some that's probably yeah but i'm not
1: an administrative person so that for me and especially being a consultant you don't do much of that there's reporting you know matrix Mm -hmm. that you want to metrics that you want to track so there are some of that yes
0: Okay. Because I'm trying to get a handle on everything. Sure. Right. I know. Um. <laughs>
1: I threw a lot out there. You're right, because there yeah. are, I mean, the compensation benefits, that's a big piece. Or so, you know, record mm-hmm. keeping. Um, of course, I-9s, you know, making sure that people are eligible to work in the United States. Or, so, there's certainly very much paperwork. I, I write handbooks and redo handbooks. So, there's the paperwork administrative a piece of it, too. And some of it's really just um, making sure that your, um, your regulatory compliance is in place. And um, that's the drier part of HR. Yeah. So the paperwork administrative side you're thinking of but it's yeah. necessary for compliance and then from there yeah there's other your yeah, other levels that you get into that are more um, interactive
0: yeah okay <laughs> because I know recently I was looking at bringing on you know sales associates mm-hmm. <laughs> to kind of like push the other half of my thing yeah and I'm like I no idea where, where to even begin with that mm-hmm. so i was like oh let's reach out to an hr person which i'm glad that's why i found you mm-hmm. and i'm like because i have so many questions about just yeah I'd be and, happy to help. and as i mentioned um i run into a lot of brand new businesses mm-hmm. so these people who are looking to grow or looking to grow soon and the one thing that they always tell me is you know their ton of time has spent doing with a bit their business and then one gentleman was, like, do the business. And then he, like, at 11 o'clock to, like, 1 o'clock in the morning, he'll start doing, like, the paperwork and the uh, the finances and all this stuff. And I'm, like, mm-hmm. your, your money is, like, directly t- tied to your time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And yes. a lot of that you're... Um, bottlenecking, joke holding kind of into that mm-hmm. that admin side where you could probably free some of that up absolutely <laughs> so that was why I, I wanted an HR person on here to we can talk about a lot of that stuff it was pretty cool yeah, yeah you're
1: absolutely <laughs> right and you know I, I use the same um, concept too at my uh, my office we have a collaborative office environment I work mm-hmm. in and we have administrative support so delegating some things to that team which is they're great I mean quality conscious you know they're their depth tech, um, with technical background and all. Delegating so that you can focus on what makes your company money is really important, you're right, because yeah. otherwise, you're not gonna get where you wanna be if you're you're stuck in the weeds, you know? Yeah. So it's it makes perfect sense. And that's why people often outsource, outsource HR because they don't wanna spend the time trying to deal with um, all the intricate um, application of the laws and the hmm. time that involves to um, have to solve a problem once it's already there um, where I come in is being more preventative and proactive, yeah. and we can have a framework so that you don't lead to that problem, which is going to spend a lot of your time and and money sometimes. And unfortunately, people call me when sometimes they already have a they have a problem already. Yeah. If they catch me early enough, you know, we we can really solve it before it's um, becomes um, you know really. Um, Expensive and legal side of things and disruptive to the morale and, and yeah. really causes you know lingering effects, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Though. I think you should focus on what you do well and then try to delegate or outsource, hire people that are experts in the things that you don't do well that aren't core to your business,
0: yeah. Because, like I you know, I mentioned, because <clears throat> you're you can only do so much with your time, yeah, absolutely. So, if you spend all your time, you know, doing your product, that's cool but then you spend it doing paperwork or I'm like, well, I'd rather be working on my product. Mm-hmm. So you might spend a little bit but then you can make more. Absolutely. And then you hire employees who can do that part of it and you can work on something else. And so, yeah, it's kind of like a time management thing just kind of yeah. Right. Plus, <laughs> you, you want to get hard the, yeah. No, you're right. And then you want
1: to get the work life balance in there too. So yeah. even if you're you know a business owner, I mean, there's still work life balance you know yeah. that you need to have and some downtime to recharge and relax. And whether you're streaming net- Netflix shows, <laughs> you know, um, or you're you know you're playing soccer or whatever you're doing, I mean, time with your kids, I mean, you want to have downtime. It can't be all work because then you start to burn out and you lose your some of your creativity. I feel and you're not problem solving <clears throat> as well because mm-hmm. your mind's tired and it needs a little break. So yeah.
0: you you talked about creativity and I started laughing because I get asked that all the time like how do you you know get creative one you have to be creative to kind of get creative which is kind of funny so you got to put yourself in situations where you can be creative Mm -hmm. you know go to a store with a bunch of art stuff have fun do something Mm -hmm. Um, or lots of alcohol or something but that's (laughs) kind of the unprofessional side of it but (laughs) Um, so sorry because you mentioned employee management earlier Mm mm-hmm And I don't don't get political, but all I see over the news now is just very poorly handled employee management just across the country. And I'm like, that's got to be a very interesting (laughs) field to be in, at least for you.
1: Yeah, well, you know, people um, tend to, um, you you know, you, you lead by example. So if your examples are not good. Then, unfortunately, that does have negative effects on the workforce. There's not respect in there, and when there's not respect, um, people are frustrated. They're leaving. Um, they're creating um, your harassment, bullying situations. There's discrimination. There's um, a lack of attitude that you know is just deteriorates the you know the culture. Mm-hmm. So I think you know leadership is the most important piece of it. Is is developing the mindset where um, you realize the impact that you have, and you want to set that that ideal that you live to. You know, you, you identify you know your what are your company's values, and then you you know, you you follow those. For example, working with a company that you know they're big on collaboration, and they're big on transparency, and um, you know the the problem solving together, you know, going back to being collaborative and so, and that and recognition to others and taking responsibility for your role in something. And their, their president is just phenomenal with following exactly that. I mean, it sets Mm. the right tone and people are just inspired by that. Now, go you know, the other way, and you have someone who uh, shirks responsibility, doesn't respect their employees, blames others. Um, then you know that's exactly you know what's going to trickle down to your workforce, and people aren't going to be respectful. They're not going to be engaged. They're going to be paranoid that people are going to place blame on them. They're going to yeah. worry. People are going to you're gonna lose your good people. Um, t- typically, your bad people will stay. It's the good people that you lose. <laughs> so I mean, you know, the, <laughs> le- well, yeah. the leadership piece of it, and sometimes you know leaders um, get into that. That mindset where they're just so focused on business growth or what's happening in the big picture, and they're not—they're not in the weeds.
0: Mm-hmm. And you
1: have to dip into the weeds because you need to know what's going on there, and you need to make sure that your presence is is felt. And you know the whole saying that um, you know it's not what you say, it's what you do, and people do really observe what you do, and that's that really impacts. So a lot of times you see these things in the news, and it's because leadership team either um, wasn't paying attention or they didn't care, and you you feel it. You know these effects yeah. that we hear in the news with all the things happening, or just just a lot of um, turnover. People are leaving because maybe there's nothing going on illegally, but um, as far as employment laws go, but they're just they're not happy. They're not being valued, and and they leave. So it impacts yeah. companies a lot.
0: So this is a actually a very interesting segment about to get into because <clears throat> talking about you know the turnover rate in a lot of companies. Mm-hmm. Some industries are worse than others. Mm-hmm. You get like. Uh, Let's let's just say something like a car dealership or a Comcast. Mm -hmm. You know, turnover is super high. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, How do you work on something like that? Because I think that's a little bit higher business than I typically work with, Mm -hmm. but it's still a good area to, to like, where do you even focus on taking care of that type of problem?
1: Well, I mean, one time, I mean, one one thing you look at is really is – Yeah, the market, what's the market paying, what's the market offering benefits, you know? Can you meet that at least? Are you meeting it? There's three different ways to look at compensation really. There's, you know, we're gonna exceed the market because we want the best of the best. And then there's meeting the market, which is what most companies do because that aligns with their their budget and it aligns with their philosophy of, um, you know, Ben, being benchmarked with other companies, they want to at least mm-hmm. you know meet similar uh, companies' expectations and, and employee employees' expectations. And then you're going to be able to attract you know good core people. And then there's below market, which would be someone like typically nonprofits and some of the you know the lower profit margins. Um, sometimes your retail, small restaurants. I mean ones that um, have limited budgets and they're unable to go to market. Uh, for example, nonprofits are a big one, and I know that what you can do then is you offer things that other companies can't, perhaps flexible work schedules, and you offer recognition with titles and um, being um, developed so that you're able to get leadership skills, you're able to uh, you know, lead a team, do project management, develop skills you wouldn't necessarily get at the company that's paying the yeah. market. Because, you know, they're not really worried about retention as much because they're paying market or if they're paying above market. Like a Microsoft, of course, is classic for you know, Amazon's a lot of them, you know, the big companies like that. They're paying above market because they need they want the best, of the best kind of thing. But those that are paying at market, um, they don't always offer all the pieces because they feel like they're doing what they should be doing. So mm-hmm. below market companies have to look at other creative, you know, non-compensatory ways to satisfy their employees. And then they. Um, saying that, that's still relevant to the companies that pay market or above market because people, at the end of the day, your paycheck's one thing but it doesn't make you feel good. Um, It's Mm -hmm. not enough to make you feel good. What makes you feel good is feeling valued. And that's what the nonprofits typically have um, as an advantage for um, other companies because what they're doing is is, is socially, um, you know, social um, promotion and benefits, and it Mm -hmm. helps people feel good about what they're doing. And if they have a good leadership team on top of it that values their people, then people feel like they're really, uh, appreciated and they're having learning opportunities and then those people tend to stay even though they're making below-market maybe salaries that there's other things that are more important to them and we're finding that newer generations like Generation Y and then of course Generation Z is coming up um, They, um, it's really important though, that they're making an impact in what they do and that they they um, feel what they're doing is is valued and that there's um, a, a benefit to our community you know on the social side of things they'd rather um, you know, take a job that makes less, that has a better um, impact and makes them feel um, appreciated versus making $10,000 more at a company that's not going to value them and make them feel appreciated. So I think that, you know, there's different things you can look at um, as far as retention goes. But if you're finding a lot of turnovers happening, the best thing to do is doing extra interviews and find out why people are leaving and um, talk to your people and get a sense of what the problems might be. It might not be what you think it is. Uh, maybe there's a perception there that's not even accurate. Sometimes it's lack of communication because they feel there's a disconnect there. The more you know, the more you care. So yeah. if the leadership can talk to their people and um, let them know what's happening, like you know, here's here's what we're expecting next year, here's some you know clients who are hoping to get on, customers who are hoping to get on, here's some challenges we've had. Don't just tell them all the good, you gotta share the bad too, so they have a realistic view of the company. But the more you know like that, the more you you get invested in it too. And so sometimes it's just a disconnect like that. Yeah. Other times, you know, it's ethical issues that go on. So, I mean, there's. Or violations with you know safety wise. If you don't feel like your people don't feel like their um, their health is your priority, mm-hmm. um, you're gonna people are gonna leave. Um, so there's different causes for turnover, but I think you have to, to do really a root cause analysis and yeah. you know, see what's really going on, not just the symptoms, but what's really going on, and then work to solve that. And that's where you know, HR people come in.
0: Yeah, which is very interesting. The ethics portion of it, which I find very fun, because I worked for a lot of different companies mm-hmm. over the years, <clears throat> even though I'm not that old. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ethics can absolutely kill a company. Mm-hmm. Like, just from top leadership down, even in a small company or even a big one, uh, the way they go about business can really kick out some good employees. Like, because
1: mm-hmm. sure.
0: you're good employees that you know stand by their reputation and stuff like that, like, mm-hmm. they don't they won't stay long in that type of environment. Right. And I've seen that quite a few times. I left jobs because they legitimately told me, "No, you want to lie to the customer, get get the contract signed." know and then when they're gone we'll move on to the next guy and i'm like mm-hmm. no we're, we're good mm-hmm. <laughs> we're not working together anymore <laughs> mm-hmm. i think that's just a problem across yeah. the board sometimes
1: right if they're treating customers like that they're treating their employees like that too yeah it's not that they have like this nice side and there's the bad side with the customers i mean they're gonna probably be pretty consistent with their approach to um, their employees. And like you mentioned, car dealerships, you know, they, they get a bad rap, just like lawyers and other professions, hmm. you know, and, and they get a bad rap at times because, you know, that high pressure sales atmosphere does turn people off and, and can push their ethical boundaries. And I think, you know, car dealerships would just need to look at how can we level the playing field so our people don't feel like they have to be, um, you know, these um, professional um you know, to get customers and to stay here and feel valued. I and mean, how can we, you know, what can we do to make it a different environment and make sure that, you know, they they have a voice and, and they, they feel like they're respecting and they can feel like they can be honest and sincere in their job and still be productive. So I think it's probably like a little, you know, it's a challenge, I'm sure, you know, in some environments to, to get away from, you know, the, ethical um, boundary there but I yeah. think you, you have to because like you say you'll, you'll lose good people and that turnover just really hurts your company for a variety of reasons I mean it costs money to retain people um, I and mean, to recruit people um, and um, that lack of continuity when you have changing workforce I and mean, you lose knowledge uh, customers are turned off by it people bad you people in glassdoor.com yeah. like if you go to glassdoor.com um, that's that's employee website for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, employers can come on there. They can link to their company, and they can then start have a voice on their profile. But it's initially started by the employees, and Glassdoor.com will, um, if you go on there, um, you can pick any company, and most companies are going to have a profile there whether they know it or not and they're going to have some negative comments whether they know it or not and so that's another way you can learn what's going on in your company too i mean you don't really want to wait till it's publicly put on social media that's not ideal but if you monitor that type of thing you can get a handle on it you can respond to the the um, remark online Mm -hmm. so that when applicants check out your company they're not seeing this negative comment and then you haven't even addressed it so i think you know it's just like any anyone making a mistake you need to learn from it yeah. And then you make a change, it doesn't happen again. And employers are the same way. I mean, you know, people are going to make mistakes and have policies that don't work and other things happening. But as long as you learn from it, solve it, and move forward, you know, then you can recover and uh, become a you know a good employer to, for people to, that want to work there.
0: Yeah. Now, as an, as an HR person, <clears throat> it might be a little different because you're kind of outside of a company. Um, would you actively be looking for that type of situation so you can address them beforehand? Or do a lot of people just keep their head down and not try to address that with the boss?
1: Uh, A a good HR person is going to be proactive and bring forth any problems. Like people don't need yes people. I mean, Mm -hmm. you need people that are going to tell you how it is. And so, you know, every HR person I personally know is someone that's going to speak up when they see an issue. Mm -hmm. They do their very best to help solve it, and you know, they're going to they're going to present options for solutions to their you know whoever they're reporting to, whether it's a president, CEO, or uh, whoever it is. So, yeah, I mean, you definitely don't want to sit there and just, you know, hide, hide under, you know, the covers. I mean, you have to address these things. And, you know, and maybe there'll be times where, you know, there's going to be a disconnect for the HR person's point of view where, you know, they're bringing these things forward. They're not being heard and um, they leave and go somewhere else. I mean, that's, but if you don't try to bring it forward and, and give people the opportunity to, to take action, then you're not doing your job in HR. So, I mean, you have to be, you're an advocate for the employees and the business. And typically what's good for the employees is good for the business. If employees are happy, it's good for the business. If employees aren't suing the company, that's great for the business. I mean, there's (laughs) everything that's happening in the employees wise. If they feel like they're valued and appreciated, you know, they're going to stay. They're going to put more effort forth. That's good for the company. I mean, there's rarely a time where something's good for the company but not for the employees. And you're not going to have that you know that dual impact there so um, it's a disservice if you're not speaking up on the HR side in my opinion but uh, that said I know it's it's easy to feel um, like you don't have that option and there's not a voice. Yeah. And I think that's what's happened sometimes in, in past with some companies. Um, sometimes you'll see a high performer um, who is a problem and the HR person knows that there's no way they're gonna fire the high performer even though they're a problem. And so they kind of just put a blind eye to it. And, you know, I mean, that's reality sometimes. It's just yeah. the way it is. You can do what you can, but sometimes you just, you're not effective. And again, that's why HR people will sometimes leave companies too. I mean, they, you know, they, they feel like they've done what they can and that's that's all they can do. And yeah. So you know those those are my thoughts. I'm tend to be more um, an advocate and proactive, so I always spoke up. Yeah, <laughs> any of my previous bosses can <clears throat> tell you that.
0: That's <laughs> yeah, good because again, it comes back to that ethics issue where you know good people leave regardless of it's HR or employees or, yes. and you want to address that, and you also want to find a company not like you had mentioned. Um, some companies don't care about the employees so much because they can hire more mm-hmm. um, and some of them are really good mm-hmm. and maybe they don't pay as much but they have phenomenal management and they're growing yes. who knows so I uh, think it's important to look at too is just this how the company handles it because mm-hmm. yeah. I've had boss, uh, bosses I've had companies where um, as soon as the boss leaves after an interview mm-hmm. like I just look at the employees I'm like what's it actually like wearing here mm-hmm. and you get a little more <laughs> idea yeah. of what it's like and you can make better judgments that way.
1: But, uh, Actually, Chris, that's a great point, too, because <laughs> when people are interviewing, if you don't give them person the full picture of your company, then there's a chance they're going to leave. I mean, statistically, they sh- they're they finding that one-third of a new employee's coming aboard will only stay six months mm-hmm. because there's a disconnect from what they thought the job was, from yeah. what it really is. Or sometimes it's the employer thought they needed this, they really needed this, yeah. so they hired the wrong person. Um, you know, that disconnect happens, so the more you can communicate and allow people a chance to talk to their, their you know their potential co-workers they get a better feel for the idea and some companies do like a job shadow for applicants you know they'll, they'll mm-hmm. come in and then you do an interview and then you'll you'll shadow you know the department for a bit to get a feel for what especially customer service reps even on the phones you sit there and you get an idea of what it's really like because you know people come in you know with false impression of it through no one's fault and um, you know it's it's they're not going to last, they're not going to do well, they're not going to be happy, and then the employer's right back having to spend the money recruiting, training, and going through the process. In the meantime, it looks like, you know, there's a lot of turnover, which then employees feel like that's there's something else going on yeah. other than just a bad hiring decision. They feel like there's something else going wrong, and then they start to worry, and then it can, you know, domino effect from there. So yeah. I think really identifying, you know, what the job you really need, um, and then what knowledge, skills, and abilities are important. You know, there's the KSAs. Basically, you know, what do you need to know now? Um, You know, what skills like Excel do I need to have Excel now? You know, and what's my ability level? You know, do I have to be able to um, learn calculus in this job, you know. <laughs> because that'll disqualify me right off yeah, the top. Yeah. <laughs> but they um, you know, you need to know and then you have to know like what do we what can we learn and teach the person? You know, what what can that person learn when you teach the person? So uh, I have seen employers sometimes they'll require this person to have this and like, well can we teach them that? If they have that but they have a, they don't have that but they have an awesome personality. Isn't that better than we get somebody with a eh, personality but they've got that. You know, like yeah. you so you have to like you really have to look at what we really need now and, and just make sure it's it's the clearest job profile and then you give the person a chance to really understand it. So if we were interviewing you, Chris, you wanna make sure that you knew, you know, the good and the bad. You are know, like, okay, mm-hmm. here's what's great about the job, but yeah, you know, this is what our pay is, you know, it's, it's what our budget is, all we can afford. Um, this is what the benefits are, this is what we can afford with it. Um, you're gonna have some problems, you're gonna have some complaints. I mean, give the reality of it because they're gonna find it out anyway. Mm-hmm. If you don't if, if you're not upfront about it, then um, you're just wasting everyone's time in the long run and, and causing headaches for yourself. So just yeah. just be honest and upfront, and I think people, most people, will appreciate that.
0: Yeah. So kind of a funny little horror story. Just as before, I get back to another point I was gonna make. So my wife worked for a company. I'm not gonna name them, <laughs> and she got hired on to you know, answer the phones to solve customers' problems. Like they had an issue with something that well, they sold, you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that's what she was hired on. Pick up the phone, you have a little script, fix the problem, thank you, done. That's all she did. And you find out later on after being hired that no, part of your job is also sales. Oh, so yeah. like that is a big <laughs> disconnect mm-hmm. when it comes to like, oh, I just wanted to read this script and all of a sudden like no, part of your job quota every month is you have to be making sales. You're not the you're not the sales team, that that's somebody else. But you have to be making sales even if it's only a few. Mm-hmm. And that's just like It's a pretty big disconnect company.
1: Absolutely. uh,
0: That was just a little horror story that you were talking about. Maybe be upfront about that beforehand.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because some people like the challenge of that, you know.
0: Yeah. Like I love sales. It's it's so much fun. Mm -hmm. But you know, someone like my wife isn't a salesperson. (laughs) She didn't she got hired on to read a script and answer a phone and fix your little problem and then goodbye. You know, (laughs) call me again when you have a problem. Right. Not like, Oh, well, let's upgrade your package to something else. And you're like, Oh, God, I have to sell something. So just kind of a funny she thing. She didn't
1: stay very long, I'm guessing. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because <laughs> And they have a very high turnover, which is what I was, I was talking about earlier. Um, so, like, uh, we talked about big companies and stuff like that and some issues they have. Now, I get a lot of small companies in here. So, like I said, the people is just their solo people, their solopreneurs, whatever you want to call them. Um, <clears throat> maybe an LLC, whatever. They're small. One person. Mm-hmm looking to start growing have no idea how to go about you know the hiring he's all this stuff like where do they start in that process like let's just say hiring like where do they start when they want to look for an employee
1: well i think the first step is like i mentioned is really identifying what you really need mm-hmm. and that you're really clear on the qualifications to so that Will make the person successful. So, what do they absolutely have to have right now? Uh, what would I like to have, and what's you know a nice add-on? And you know, having a great job profile is number one. And then part of it's branding. You're like, who are you? You know, what perception do you want to put out there in the public? Um, that's going to make a difference because it's going to appeal to different people. So if you're a mm-hmm. company that's really growing and there's a lot of um, entrepreneurial op- uh, opportunities for, you know, someone coming on board as an employee, that's going to really appeal to people um, that like that um, sense of adventure. Mm-hmm. There's others it's not going to appeal to because for them they like the sense of um, uh, comfort of having established uh, yeah, norms. Yeah, like a huge
0: of, company like it's not going anywhere, it's not yeah, a risk.
1: Yeah, they don't like uncertainty. Yeah. So I think you really have to understand like, you know, who you are and what image you want to put out there. Um, and then, you know, it's it's applying um, proper um, social medias too. Like, I'm big on Instagram, you know, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, of course. Um, I have some YouTube videos um, I did for a training I did, and then I have Google Plus. Yeah. And I have my website, of course. So, and then I, um, you know, I, I, watch what other people are saying and doing so you can get, you know, some interactions going too. But you know, having a social media presence and I think you do some of that, I yeah. if I'm not mistaken, Chris. Oh, yeah. So you can help people with that. But you really have to, you know, establish some presence because nowadays people are overloaded with information. And um, we don't have a lot of time. We don't have the desire to read anything lengthy or do a lot of research. We want to see it visible, available, and um, so you need to have that um, that strategy of making sure that your company is visible, available. And I'm very big on visual ads. I use Adobe Spark a lot now, and it's great about presenting. We used it before about using like um, or making like posts that are very visual, like a yeah. visual ad. And you can do a lot of job ads that way now with a you know a really visual um, image that captures your company or the role and maybe a Mm -hmm. funny way Um, doesn't have to be funny but you know something captures it and then you know Mention the job opening, you know, your company contact information, your company logo, which will link, like, maybe, you know, do a landing page to your website if they click on it kind of thing and and, and draw people in that way. Unemployment's very low in New Hampshire. It's not quite as high, quite as low in uh, Maine and Mass, um, but, you know, we're still competing with them for jobs as well for candidates and all. So, I mean, you really have to, it's a competition for recruiting is what I look at I wrote a paper on competitive recruiting because, to me, it is a competition. So, you want to make sure you're out there, you're um, appealing, you're open. You're presenting your values, and then as you start to get candidates applying, um, you know, then you really need to look at the behavioral side of things and talk about, um, you know, how they've handled things in the past, how they handle things going forward. Making sure they don't use a lot of I I I I. You know, they're talking about well, they, we, you know, I collaborated. You know, they're. You can talk that. You can see that they're someone who works well with others. You, you don't want someone who's going to blame others, um, not take responsibility, not be accountable, uh, not give, you know, 100%. So you really, at that point, the interview process is really, um, it's um, investigation to figure out this person. And you only have limited criteria. So, yeah. you know, you really want to make sure you're asking the right questions that suit your values. Um, at that point, bringing them on, I mean, of course, there's an I-9. You have know, had um, someone before who thought that you only had to do an I-9, which is... Um, something with immigration to show you have the right to work in the United States that that you only had to do an I-9 at the person who's going to stay. So, yeah, you know, if they were there a couple of days and they left, it was, you know, you don't have to worry about that. But you actually do need to have them sign that form, the I-9, which you can obtain uh, right off um, of the uh, INS's website um, the first day they're employed there. Mm-hmm. They have a couple of days to get documentation to you if they don't have it available, but you need to do the I-9. Um, and, of course, there's, you know, W-4, and there's all the usual, you know, uh, paperwork that you want to establish. Workers' compensation, if you're going from a sole person to, um, you know, plus one, then having workers' compensation is required for any employee. Um, professional liability insurance you know making sure that doesn't cover supplicable that employee as well and then what kind of benefits you're gonna offer if anything being re- really upfront to the employee telling them that you know look this is what I can offer you but I can't offer you this yet you know once we get more revenue then we can start adding on other benefits Just yeah. being really upfront so that they're not gonna come aboard and they're gonna go well you didn't tell me that or I didn't know that and you want to be as transparent as possible and, um, and then from there really you know this is the onboarding process making sure that yeah. they're um, integrated um, into your company and they have the resources and tools. I've worked at companies before where, um, you know, years ago where um, people didn't have a computer when they first started. And so they're sitting at the desk and, you know, and they haven't observed other people, and it's just, it's not a good start. When you hire somebody, make sure you're 100% ready to go with them. Uh, maybe there's business cards that will follow or this and that, make sure they have the technology to start right away, they have all the tools they need, and then you're prepared because that starts, you know, first impressions is important. That's yeah. the first impression when someone starts their first day, that's that's huge too. And, um, you know, going forward from there, just make sure you're compliant with employment laws and. Um, yeah, I wish it was a secret, but they're all out there. New yeah. <laughs> the Hampshire Department of Labor, you know, has a great website. Uh, the U.S. Uh, DOL Department of Labor has a great website. Yeah, you know, OSHA has a great website. Um, whatever states you're in, they have great websites to help employers mm-hmm. be compliant. And if any of that sounds horribly mm. confusing and complicated, then call me.
0: Yeah, because <laughs> that's what I was gonna bring up. Like, y- you say, yeah, they have these great websites with all the information, but that's super confusing. <laughs> like Thank that. You. That's insane, like, cause I I got my OSHA thirty certification a while ago, mm-hmm. but oh my god, like, there's so much to all of true. it, yeah. And even the professor, the dude who taught it, was like, yeah, I'm not even gonna teach you all of it, cause he told you some of it, and it's just, and that's just OSHA thirty. That's not even like uh, everything else, like management, and then, you know, W twos, what's difference between W two and a ten ninety nine, and it's just. You get that whole variety of things. So, yeah, that's why, you know, again, I brought you on (laughs) so that we could talk about this and then, you know, point someone in your direction if they need help because they really need help.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, like I had a client, I have a client now who's one of my um, dedicated clients that I work with. I have uh, offered dedicated services. I work with them just long term and as many hours as they need me, and mm-hmm. then I do like project work, and then sometimes it's just a couple hourly, you know, an hourly um, project where they really just need an hour yeah. of, of some co- consultation. And I do compl- com- complimentary cons- uh, consultations as well. But um, one of my clients, the one that's dedicated, he said, you know, is like, I don't have time to figure this out. You know, I just really want this, what do I need to do? Yeah. <laughs> that's where you come in with all this kind of thing. And you know, that's true with any, I think, subject matter expert that, you know, you can get right to the, the, you know, the bottom line, Mm -hmm. whereas like with you, I mean, you know, like you can get to the bottom line on so many things where somebody else is going to have to spend hours and, and and trying to figure it out and they may not even get it right. And that's not a good use of their time. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, that's why, you know, we have specialties because you know, it makes a person stronger and more knowledgeable about that particular focus. And, And that's where HR comes in because you know, employment laws are changing rapidly. Uh, interpretations in court, you know, court cases drive um, how we apply employment laws, too. Um, of course, the U.S. Supreme Court has um, definitely a huge footprint on employment law interpretation yeah. and decisions. Um, the Hampshire Labor Relations Board, as well, whether union or non-union, they have a lot of impact on how we handle um, employment laws, especially around social media, because people have to have a chance to uh, mutually um you know, collaborate, um, for their own protection. And there's a fine line there where employers could violate it if they're not careful with their phrasing and play handbooks, for example. So (laughs) it gets like, and people are like, Oh my God, I want to know all that. And that's why, that's why clients come to me because they, they don't even want to know all that. They just want to know what they need to do because they want to be compliant. They want to do the right thing, but they're not sure what that is.
0: Yeah. And I think, again, I try not to get political, but I think sometimes the good intent of the mm-hmm. <laughs> policies get a little like uh, they hurt more than they help. <laughs> yeah sure but you, i get it you're starting a business you're a brand new person's like i know how to talk to people that's like my job mm-hmm. um my, my friend he makes holsters for like firearms I'm like that's what we do we make firearms. <laughs> and all of a sudden you're like oh how do i do all this paperwork and all this stuff and yeah. It can be a little daunting,
1: yeah. A good then, CPA is important too for yeah, some of that, that as too. Well, yeah, yeah,
0: and then, and like, as I mentioned earlier, the uh, just the hiring process itself can be so tricky with you know the rules and regulations on the questions you're allowed to ask the person, and mm-hmm. then so it's good to have an expert in your corner, <laughs> to, yeah, definitely to take a shot of that.
1: I, I just had someone, um. Join me as a, a partner um, as a senior talent consultant. Her name's Laura Sullivan, and uh-huh. she has a really strong background in that exactly that Yeah, She's actually writing articles on uh, You know interview red flags for example like you know What's a warning sign you know, in an interview where you know you're like okay? You want to wrap it up and just say thanks for coming you know because you know it's gonna It's just gonna go bad from there little things that people give you as tip-offs um, and um, she's really good at um, engaging applicants and wanting them, you know, getting them to want to work at a company and helping managers with the whole process. So, um, you know, yeah, you're right. It can be be overwhelming and it's time consuming too. So you really, you know, it's not only is it tricky, it's time consuming and it's expensive. So it's, you know, again, that's why, you know, we look at other options for outsourcing, like, you know, whether it's me or another consultant, um, their staffing agencies, you know, we, staffing agencies are great, but they're very specific what they do. You know, we expand way beyond that from the very start job profiling to the end of onboarding, and then, you know, their employment um, throughout the company. So, but you're right, it's, it's, you know, it can be a lot, just like any profession. If I was enough to delve into, you know, being, um, you know, a mechanic at an automotive shop, I'd yeah. be lost.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just like how crazy it all is, you know, yeah. Yeah,
1: there's so much to things, so I think that makes it great that we have so many options to what we like to focus on. and Yeah.
0: But. Cool, awesome. <laughs> well, let me see here. Uh, that was a lot of the questions I generally had. So uh, how do people get a hold of you? Like well, we have a website.
1: Um, it's humanresources-roi.com. Mm. And um, we're also on social media, of course, uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Google+. Um, YouTube is not really up and running yet. It's kind of hidden. You have to really be determined <laughs> to find it because yeah. I have a bunch of videos, but I haven't done quite anything with that just yet. Um, and then, of course, um, you know, um, LinkedIn's a great um, mode of connecting with professionals, too. So I encourage everyone to check out LinkedIn and establish their own profile and, and, um, and you know, start reading in people's articles, sharing, you know, you learn a lot from just mm-hmm. articles on LinkedIn, so I love LinkedIn too. And like I said, we're located at Pease Tradeport, so we have offices there, training facility um, room there as well, and then we go out in the field and venture out into Southern Maine, New Hampshire, and Northern Mass, usually like Essex County
0: cool awesome yeah was there anything else you wanted to uh, talk about oh, your work thank you <laughs> so much
1: chris i really appreciate it. that was fun because i can talk about you know what i do and because i really love hr i can talk about it all day so we can keep going if you want <laughs> <laughs> but i really appreciate your time
0: yeah definitely so much okay so thank you guys so much for watching uh if you have any questions definitely reach out because uh, we want to make new hampshire the best place to live in the country i think we thank can be you. and i think that's what we need to do so <laughs> okay so until next time
1: thank you